0: Ports and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Blair Kaplan. Blair is a social media marketing expert. She is also the owner, founder, and president of Blair Kaplan Communications, a bestselling author, and a podcast host. Blair, welcome. Thank you so much for being here with me. I am so excited to dive in. I know that you and I have been trying to connect and get this done for a fair bit of time now, so it's actually awesome to have you here and to actually sit down and be able to do this with you now.
1: Brad, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here.
0: Thank you for making the time to be here. I'm really looking forward to jumping in and learning a little bit more about your journey, your story. So without further ado, let's jump in. Now, all of those things, I'm not going to repeat, there's no need to repeat your resume, but that is a hell of a lot of hats you wear and one hell of a resume. So how do you find the time to fit all of this in and, and prioritize it all? And how important is prioritization to you?
1: So that's a great question. So I think just to kind of even um, amplify what I do a bit further. Mm-hmm. So I'm a social media expert and mentor. My business just turned 14 years old. My background Congratulations. Is, yeah, thank you. My business, um, my background is in public relations. Mm-hmm. I'm also the founder of something called the Global Resilience Project. And I made a decision to only take on projects that I love that light me up that I want to show up for. And I have the services that I offer. I do group coaching, private coaching, and projects here and there. And I'm a speaker and a writer. And so one of the biggest things is that if I say yes to something, I make sure I have the right capacity for it. I'm also a huge planner. I love lists. I love my schedule. (laughs) I love planning with other people. I love calendar links. I love invite codes. I love (laughs) I love all of the things to help keep me organized.
0: Excellent. So I'm very curious, you being a serial entrepreneur and wearing so many hats, what does your morning routine look like, Claire?
1: Oh, I love that you asked that because so just a disclaimer before I go into this, I don't have kids. (laughs) I probably will not be having kids. We tried that. It didn't work. It's part of my story that I'm sure we're going to dive into. But I used to be the person who hit my, like hit snooze, got up and went. And I've had a lot of traumatic experiences happen in my personal life over the last couple of years. And I really decided to reclaim my mornings and not start my day in a place of chaos, but to really ease into my days. So on mornings, not like today, because today I started recording podcasts at 7 a.m. <laughs> so my, my morning routine is actually going to happen later. But I love to wake up and move my body. If it's nice out, maybe go for a hike outside or do yoga outside or go for a walk. Mm -hmm. or get on my Peloton bike and, or do a yoga class in my house. Like I like to move my body, whether it's for 10 minutes or for an hour, I then have a candle lit bath and then I meditate. So I pull a Oracle card, I meditate, and then I journal. I drink my coffee. I pet my cats. Maybe (laughs) I read, listen to music. I generally ease into my day and sometimes it takes a couple hours. Sometimes I give myself three hours, depending on how long my day is Mm -hmm. um, and what the weather is going to be, because if the weather is going to be really nice, I break my day up. But I really love easing into my day. How
0: many of those things that you just rhymed are non-negotiables for you in the morning?
1: A non-negotiable for me is the bath. Like In between my last podcast and this, I had a bath, a candlelit bath. It was short. But right. for me, the bath is, it helps regulate my nervous system. Mm-hmm. It helps like relax my muscles, especially cause I do a lot of sitting. Yeah, So I just, I wake up kind of sore. <laughs> so whether <laughs> I move my body or not, I for sure have a bath. And I do meditate, but I just, sometimes it doesn't happen in that sequential order. If I have, you know, podcasts and what not to do, I try not to start my work day until nine. And, you know, I have my own stuff I'm doing, but I also have clients and other people who rely on me, but I obviously make exceptions for people like you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I'm honored. But my bath,
1: like a candlelit bath is usually my non-negotiable. Like I was just on a three week media tour and nowhere had a bathtub. So I had like a shower. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> but at least you had that. Yeah. That, you kept with that. Right. You know, I'm finding as I talk to more and more people and of course, I mean, my podcast is only women that I interview. So a lot of these women now that I'm speaking with are of that same mindset where it's like, I'm not starting my work day at 8am or 7, 7am. 7 no, no, no. It some of them are even starting at 10, 11 o'clock. Like that's it. it. it that time is me time non-negotiable that does not change
1: and i think it's also about boundaries like i have some clients who email me and expect a response right away right but how would i get anything done yeah if someone wants something for me out of you know out of hours yeah which i make very clear at the beginning of a relationship and i make it clear that if i do work at a weird hour like if you see an email at 11 p.m that's because i'm choosing to work it doesn't mean that I will respond to you because I get to be in control. But it's about setting boundaries. Yeah. And part of those boundaries is like, I'm not waking up and dealing with it. Like if no one's going to die, like, I mean, I'm in public relations. If there's a crisis, I'm on. Obviously, that's very rare, but I'm not available till I'm available. And if you need me immediately for something that isn't because I'm saving a life, (laughs) it's actually not that urgent.
0: Right. Right. I think it's amazing. I think more people need to step into that and set those boundaries, but also, hey, this is my time for me. Work doesn't start till later, till when I'm ready to get started. And I mean, just because you are not working I mean, we're, we're entrepreneurs. You don't have to work the eight to five or the eight to four or the nine to five, or you can work whenever you choose. You can work 10 till one in the afternoon if you want. You can work 11 to seven if you want. It's up to you. That's the beauty of entrepreneurship. I
1: completely agree. So with you
0: being a serial entrepreneur, have you always had the entrepreneurial bug within you? like or, or And if so, where do you think that comes from?
1: Well, it's funny that you asked that. So I just published my second book.
0: Congratulations. Called,
1: thank you. Called The Global Resilience project Mm -hmm. and I self-published. And I realized when I started this project three and a half years ago, I didn't know how to write a book. And I did a workshop and I realized, oh, this book is going to take a while because I gathered stories of resilience. So why don't I write a practice book? And the practice book is called Pulsing Through My Veins, Uh, Raw and Real Stories from an Entrepreneur. And I was literally born an entrepreneur. (laughs) It's in my lineage on both sides of my family. I was around it my entire life with my aunts and my uncles. My dad was an entrepreneur before he got sick. Mm. And yeah, like it's, I think it's in my blood, but also like, I can't be told what to do. So it's best that I work for myself. (laughs)
0: Yeah. That, that corporate structure just won't work.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It works sometimes. Sometimes. If I can be an entrepreneur within an organization, if I have that like flexibility, but if you're like, you need to be here nine to five every day, and like, no, that doesn't work for me.
0: (laughs) We're not, we're not friends. That's not going to (laughs) happen. So what inspired your journey into this world of social media marketing? And why did you decide to focus your energy and business on helping to empower entrepreneurs in the worlds of social media?
1: So when I was in my twenties, I studied public relations in Winnipeg. And I worked for Lululemon Athletica at the time. And I, when I finished school, they promoted me to move to the Edmonton store. And then I moved to the Vancouver store. And after three and a half years, I was ready to move up and do PR for them. But it became challenging because the company went public and they were bringing in people from big companies who had lots of experience. And so I decided I'm just going to start my own company and make my own experience. And so I started a PR company. And at this time... A, never run a business like that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a mentor, but social media marketing was just becoming a tool, but there was no one to learn how to do social media PR or social media communications or marketing from. And I was having all these meetings with people because I simultaneously started a coupon company, which is like a conversation (laughs) for another day. I wanted free yoga and I started a coupon company and long story short, I like put a lot of focus on the coupon company and I should have just paid for the yoga class. But I was networking in the Vancouver business community and sitting down with as many people that would sit down with me. And one of the first questions they would ask after I told them what my business was with the PR side was, do you know how to use social media? And I always just said, yes, because I needed to make money and I figured it out and I created my own systems and my own strategies and my own way to use social media as a communications tool. And even to this day, I created something called the empowerment pillars, the seven pillars that you need to build out. So you're seen as a thought leader in the digital space. Right. And I've always had this foundation of the background of PR and translated that to the world of social media. So I got into it because people needed it, and, you know, and I started teaching it and it was really cool. Cause I remember when Pinterest came out that someone who used to be the president of blends coffee, which is a BC chain actually came up to me and was like, Pinterest just came out. Do you know how to use it for business? We want to want you to lead a workshop for a bunch of other business leaders And I just said, yeah, I know how. And I remember going home and trying to figure it out. And I taught what I taught myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So speaking of the seven pillars of, of media empowerment, You came up with that. Can you tell us briefly what those seven pillars are and the importance that they play in helping entrepreneurs and what led to the creation of those pillars for you?
1: Right. So, I really believe in the concept of storytelling and telling, not selling. And so, these seven pillars are what you need to build out in your strategy so that you're seen as a thought leader. And you want to be a thought leader because you become the source. You become the source that the media wants to quote, that people want to hire, people seek you out. You're not just another fish in the sea, but you're like, the queen mermaid or king merman, <laughs> you know, and you, you want to be that thought leader that people know that prolific leader in your space. Yeah. And so the seven pillars that I believe you need to build out in your strategy are, and they spell out empower. Okay. It's edutain, money, personas, other players, wins, engagement, and realistic goals.
0: And so- When you work with your clients, obviously this is a staple of the work you're doing with them. These seven pillars, these are what you base your whole strategy upon,
1: right? 100%. And it depends on the client's needs. Sometimes we add in other elements, but these are like the key big pillars because each of these pillars have their own sub strategy that needs to be created.
0: So how did you come up with these? Where did, where did the inspiration come for these?
1: Trial and error, lots of failure, lots of success. Trying something out, clients growing their business. Some clients come to me who've never, don't have a website. And I mean, just starting their business and I teach them what I know. And then they start getting clients and it's all from social media. So like very much like trial and proof. The
0: proof is in the pudding, as they say. Mm -hmm. So can you give us a brief overview of what Blair Kaplan Communications is all about? The work you do, how long ago you started the company? all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. So this June, June, 2022, is it, is
0: it 2023?
1: Yeah. No 2020, not yet. (laughs) Don't, don't, don't advance
0: us that far. Come on.
1: (laughs) So my business just turned 14 years old Mm -hmm. and I focus primarily on coaching. So social media and publicity coaching. I do private coaching and group coaching. And if the right project is presented to me in the realm of communications traditional pr and you know creative pr if i have capacity i like the business owner the people i'm working with and the mission i say yes i'm also an international speaker i'm considered a thought leader in resilience i write a lot about social media i write a lot about resilience So I speak on virtual and real stages about all of those things. So what
0: type of person or client is your ideal client? Like what are the deciding factors for you when being approached by potential clients or you approaching potential clients? What do you Um, look
1: for? I've been really lucky because my business has been built a lot on referrals. I am a one man band, one woman show. I do have a support team who helps me with graphics and, you know, VA stuff. And I'm very grateful for everyone that I, you know, that helps me do what I do. But if someone approaches me, well, there's coaching. So right. my group coaching, there's only a certain amount of spots available in my group coaching program. And the cohort is twice a year. I just kicked off the first empowerment 90 day program. Okay. And so there will be another one coming up and I haven't announced those dates yet. So that is my, an opportunity to work with me at a lower price point. Cause I offer like you can pay in full or payment plans. Right. And I basically, me and the whole group, we build out a, the empowerment pillars together. And I teach you the inner workings of how to do it. So it's a lot of hand holding, doing it with you, and then accountability for them. Right. Okay. And then private coaching. If you want to work with me, it's a bit higher of a price point. I only have a certain amount of spots per month, and I become your social media and publicity expert in your back pocket. We meet weekly or bi weekly, depending on what you want. It's either weekly for half an hour or bi weekly for an hour. You have unlimited access to me during the week via Voxer and email. And I, literally do the work with you. I become like inside your brain. I give you my ideas. I tell you how to do it. And your job is to implement. And then if you want to work with me and you have a project you want me to be involved with, you can approach me and and set up a meeting. And I can let you know if I have capacity for it or if it works. And then if you are someone who is looking for speakers, experts in the social media space or the publicity space or resilience, I talk a lot about gratitude and resilience. My signature keynote is how to strengthen your resilience muscle. Just reach out to me. I really believe in empowering 88 million people by the time I'm 40. So in the next three years, in one month, I'd like to empower 88 (laughs) million people. I just came back from this really wild media tour where I ended up on a billboard in Times Square, and I'm still up there right now. Awesome. For 30 days, I'm up there like a couple times a minute is my face. And I just want to empower people. I, I really believe in turning my pain into purpose and taking all of my skills all the clout I've cultivated and helping people up level their skills and storytelling online or get through their hard, difficult times with resilience.
0: I love it. That is awesome. So you had mentioned that you worked for Lululemon previously. So I'm curious how hard or easy was that shift into entrepreneurship from the corporate world for you?
1: Well, I've always been an entrepreneur. Like Mm. as a kid, I had my mom sign up for Avon and I went (laughs) door-to-door selling makeup. I babysat, I sold lemonade. I imported cigar box purses from New York and sold them in the mall. I hustled i worked for a lady but like i sold roses in the nightclubs in winnipeg like i was known as the (laughs) rose girl and like i made a dollar 25 a flower plus tips i'd walk away with a couple hundred bucks after after a few hours of work Twice a week, so I've always been able to sell and build relationships. Like I literally came into the world blaring. I was given the gift (laughs) of blaring. Yeah. (laughs) So Lululemon really believes in entrepreneurship. I mean, they—I don't know if they do now, but they did, like in two (laughs) thousand and eight. Right. And they give you like a section. So if you're like an educator, like that's like a sales associate or whatever you're given a section for your shift. And yeah. so like, if I was given the pant wall, like that was treated like that was my store. This was my store and I owned it. Yeah. And I really did. Like I had customers that would shop from me only. They would come in when I was wow. there. Like, and I loved it. Like I love people. I love building relationships. And I love selling like the thrill of like someone coming in for one pair of pants and walking out with three outfits and Obviously, like it was also cool because the store worked on like we worked. We had a a, sal- a wage, and like the store had commission if we hit yeah. goals. Yeah.
0: So
1: I really think like learning what entrepreneurship was and being able to be an entrepreneur within an organization was really helpful for me when I structured my business. And Lululemon was really big into professional development. I say was because I don't know what they are. Right. But they were really big into personal and professional development, goal setting. And it's cool because actually some of my first experience was listening to Brian Tracy's CDs. And I actually just spoke on a a virtual stage with him. I'm like, wow.
0: That's pretty powerful.
1: So... Yeah, Lululemon was really good at that, cultivating like entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs. And I hope they still do that. I I owe a lot of my success to what I learned at that company. Like, you know, even to this day, I'll go to the mall. I live in Kamloops, British Columbia now. And I walk by Lululemon and I'm like, I really miss working here. Like, should I work here? (laughs) Like, I know it's not even for the money it's like, I just miss the community. You know, I miss, I just like, I go in there and I I immediately turn into like a Lulu bot. I'm like, Oh, the panel (laughs) wall, I see it's still organized from tight to loose and functionality. And and I go in there and like, I can't help but being like, I used to work here and (laughs) like, I'm like such a wiener, but that's okay.
0: (laughs) I love it. (laughs) What lights you up or excites you the most about being an entrepreneur.
1: When I'm able to teach the clients I work with what I know, and they are empowered to implement what they learn from me. When I see them take what I teach them and implement them, it really, really gets me lit up.
0: That transformation. thats That's it, right? From before they came to you to after working with you and during working with you, seeing that shift in them
1: mm-hmm. and
0: their business.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: What would you say then on the flip side of that is one of the most challenging parts that you've seen so far in your journey through entrepreneurship for you?
1: Well, we are a world full of different personalities. and
0: Amen to that. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And I've fired clients. Clients have let me go. I think it's a natural part of business that we don't talk about. I find it really hard when I pour a lot of myself into something for a client and we're not aligned sometimes like, you know, like I've not been paid tens of thousands of dollars before from clients. It's very like a dark side of business. Yeah. And because of that, I have to have always had to like restructure and pivot how I do things. But yeah, like there's also a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes and without failure, you don't have success. And so there is a lot of dark and a lot of hard stuff that happens. And I started it alone. I didn't have a mentor or a coach. And now I do. I have a business coach. I have a publicity coach. I believe all great coaches should have coaches.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I love that you said that that side of things doesn't get talked about. We don't. And I think that those conversations need to start happening more I think part of the onus is on us as entrepreneurs to start talking about those things because it's not all puppy dogs, ice cream and rainbows and sunshine and all of that stuff. I mean, solopreneurship, there's a lot of loneliness there. And I mean, what we see, a lot of what we see on social media is the highlight reel. And I think that we need to start having those raw, authentic conversations about the other side of things, because that's a reality. It's not going to always be easy. There are going to be struggles, of course, there are. A lot of people are figuring this out as they go. And so I would love to start having more of those conversations. I think it's necessary. I think that it's also a benefit to the entrepreneurs who are just stepping into entrepreneurship that we talk about these things and let them know that, hey, what you're stepping into, because it gets glamorized. It gets fantasized. And yes, entrepreneurship is amazing. Absolutely. 100%. But there's the other side of it too.
1: It's messy. It It is is really freaking messy. I was going to swear. No, you can swear.
0: It's okay. It's really (laughs) really really fucking messy.
1: messy. And, you know... I'm lucky because I have a lot of entrepreneurs in my family that I can go to for advice. Right. But like my biggest recommendation is to anyone is have a mentor or have like have some someone to support you. Google doesn't do it. Like you need someone that you can run ideas by, have to coach you through it. You know, I have a podcast called Dissecting Success and Teresa Lambert's my co-host and we talk actually a lot about the not so glamorous stuff because it is a conversation that needs to be had more. And there's a lot of fear around professionals sharing the messy stuff. Cause they feel like, well, people might not hire me. It's like, yeah. we're all going through it, dude. Like yeah. it's, it's fine. Like it's okay. Because you know what? I still get results from my clients. And you know, the other day I had a 20 hour ish travel day. My flights were canceled delayed lost bag. I was tired, I was hot, I was cranky, like three weeks of being in like America and like lots of people, like three most expensive cities. I actually rearranged my entire day because I needed to lie on the couch, turn my brain off, and watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And I can do that because I'm an entrepreneur and I get to be in control. And if you want me to show up when I'm not my best for you, it's better for me to cancel and rearrange my schedule. So I show up and you get the best version of me. And I'm open about talking about this. Like, I if you're my client out there, you've known sometimes I cancel. And you know what? Sometimes you cancel.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's okay. You so, canceled. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: I think we need to normalize that we're all fucking human.
0: That's right. 100%. That is it right there. And a big part of that you mentioned, too, is we don't have to, nor should we do this alone. You can't do Let's be honest. You can't do it alone. You just can't. You are one person. And as you said, we're yeah. human beings. And a, a friend of our both, our mutual friend, Adriana, talks about this. Adriana Monique Alvarez, she talks about this all the time, that you can't do it by yourself and you shouldn't do it by yourself. You have a community around you to support you. Use that, leverage that, lean on them. That's what we're there for. Exactly. But yes, the messy stuff needs to be talked about. Yeah. Show
1: and, us your messy. Yeah.
0: And just because, I do on my
1: social. Like if you follow me on Blair from Blairland. Like my feed is not super curated. I share like really cool moments or really sad moments, like quick yeah. you know, disclaimer, you know, trigger warning. But like in the last couple of years, my husband almost died. He had a heart attack and quadruple bypass surgery. We had a miscarriage after trying to get pregnant for a really long time. My father-in-law died three weeks later, quite suddenly. Three months later, my mom died quite suddenly. So in three months, we lost a with my father-in-law, my mom and a baby. And not even a year later after losing my mom, only a few months ago, my dad died. So I have been in such a, crazy heavy place while well, my business has been the most financially successful it's ever been And I share both sides of it.
0: Yeah. I share it all. Like in my stories,
1: especially like I share everything. Like I share it. Like I put it on the table and I'm comfortable. Yeah. um, Like you don't have to be that vulnerable, but like I am, that's who I am. I'm an open book.
0: Well, it's important. I think that you had mentioned too, that maybe people worry that if they show the messy side, people aren't going to hire them to work with them or whatever. I think that's more of an incentive to hire someone because you see where they are now. And you see that there's they go through shit and look at where they are.
1: Exactly. You're watching me navigate the deepest type yeah. of grief, like three parents and a baby. Yes. And you're also watching me show up on a billboard in Times Square and speak Kick on a stage in, in business. Vegas and launch three books in one week that all become international, that all become bestsellers, two of them international bestsellers. Yeah. Imagine what I can do for you.
0: That's someone I'd want to work with. Someone who gets down and has been in the trenches, but also runs a successful business, but shows you the messy bits.
1: Yeah, and you know, and I think it's like you get to choose how vulnerable you are, yes. but as soon as you don't show the full picture, you're you're lying.
0: Yeah. And people buy from people. That's what they relate, not brands. People buy mm-hmm. from people. That's it mm-hmm. right there. So if yeah. you're showing your vulnerable side, you're showing the messy parts. That's what people relate with. You have to be relatable for yeah. people to hire you. And being relatable comes with that bit of showing the messy side of things.
1: Exactly.
0: It's so important. I just let's we get need, messy. Yeah, like, let's fucking do it. Let's put it out there. We need Happening. to do that. We need to get these conversations going more often, yeah. more regularly, for sure. Being an entrepreneur is obviously not for the faint of heart. As we've talked about, it's a tough journey. But I think it's so incredibly rewarding. And I honestly couldn't imagine working for someone else ever again. It's just So what is the one piece of advice you would offer to someone who is thinking about making the leap into the world of entrepreneurship?
1: First, why do you want to make that leap? Like, make sure you really know why you want to do it. You know, I've seen these memes on the internet where it's like, you left your nine to five to work 24 (laughs) seven. And I think like, that's a big trap. Like, being an entrepreneur is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And I actually always recommend like if you have a job and a stable income, start building your business on the side. Don't fully do what I did. Like I made the leap and I was like, fuck, <laughs> I had no money. And I always had to have a job like bartending or I had jobs in marketing agencies while I was building my business. If you have a job, start building your business on the side, do it in the morning, on your lunch break, after work, on the weekends, put the time in. And then when you feel ready and you feel like your income is supplemented enough, either wean down your hours at your job, quit your job and get a, like a different type of job that allows you to focus on your business but like it's not as simple as like I have an idea quitting your job and all of a sudden having a bunch of money in your business that's not how it works
0: but do you think though I mean I hear this all the time is I don't think you're ever ready there's no time that said okay I'm ready this is the time to do it right now Mm -hmm. I think I disagree yeah okay
1: yeah like I have I coach clients who are in this place of pivot and I've watched them like there's been a couple times where I've walked them through like they've had both a job and their business mm-hmm. and I've walked them through the process of like helping them transition to just their business because mm-hmm. there is a point when you're ready. I've even been there. Like when I moved from Vancouver to Whistler, I didn't know anyone in my, my industry, you need to have connections. So I was like, I'm going to get a job. I don't know anyone. And I got a job and then I was building up my business to a certain degree. And I said, Hey, when I hit this milestone, I'm going to leave my job. And I did. Okay. What
0: drives, motivates and inspires you to keep going and keep pushing and excelling at all that you do?
1: Well, I have fun. Like I like what I'm doing. I also am a goal getter. Like I set a goal and I achieve it. And sometimes along the way I achieve other goals I didn't even know I had or cool stuff happens. And for me, it's like a thrill. I am the daughter of someone who lived with addiction. My father had a really heavy drug dependency and a drug addiction and I'm sober. I'm three and a half years sober, but I'm always chasing that high of landing a client. I'm always chasing that high of a really cool publicity win. you know, being on a billboard, what's next? Maybe a magazine cover. Like, I don't know. I'm going to be 37 years old and I still have a long career ahead of me. Like, I don't know what's next, but I'm always chasing that cool new win that no one else is really doing. And I don't always look for it, but I'm that person whose colors outside the lines. And I like to be the innovator and the first to do something so then I can teach my clients how to do it. So that's like a high for me. I love it. Now,
0: I want to talk a little bit about women in entrepreneurship and women-run businesses. What are your thoughts on the landscape of entrepreneurship and women-run businesses in terms of how it's evolved and how it's continuing to shift and evolve now?
1: Well, I mean... I don't really any, like, I don't know statistics and whatnot, Mm. but I think with the pandemic and people seeing that, like having the flexibility of working from home and, you know, having a family and picking their work hours and being more driven by results, not by hours worked. I think there's a big shift. And I know a lot of women in my world who are leaving their jobs to run their businesses because their jobs no longer have that flexibility for them. And I think there's this movement of women taking back their power.
0: Absolutely. And so what are your thoughts then on this shift in mindset and how do women continue to push through and continue to break down these barriers and this ridiculous way of thinking?
1: That's a really great question. I think it's about they're putting themselves first and that's something that we, you know, as women aren't told to do. We're told to take care of the family and the house and the, and it's like, no, actually like I'm going to put myself first and my needs first and not settling.
0: What advice do you have for women looking to grow either their own business or within a company they work for?
1: Well, set goals, figure Mm -hmm. out what those goals are you want to achieve, set by when, like deadlines of when you want to achieve them, but like be flexible Mm -hmm. and work towards them and always have something you're working towards. Have a why, have a reason. If you don't have a reason and you're just getting up and you're a robot, you're not serving anyone. And if you're listening to this, you're like, I don't really have a purpose of why I'm doing this, then you need to reevaluate what you're doing and figure out your why and it might be time for a change. What
0: do you say or what do you think are the top three skills needed to be a successful entrepreneur?
1: grit, creativity, and integrity.
0: I want to speak a little bit now about you being a best-selling author. Is writing or has writing always been a part of who you are? I mean, being in the social media world, obviously writing is a big part of what you do. You're writing copy and all of these things. And also, how does it feel for you to wear that title of best-selling author?
1: I've always been writing. I'm self-diagnosed. Like, I think I'm dyslexic. My father left our family when I was young because of his addiction and he was in and out of my life, which was fairly traumatic. And as a way to process as a child, I had a diary and I always, you know, for school assignments, like I would pour everything I had into my writing and mm-hmm. I would, when I got picked to speak at the school assemblies and read my writing, I was like the biggest thrill. Like I, I've always wanted to be a speaker and a writer. And I, when my mom died, I actually, my sister and I went through all of her stuff and I found my old diaries <laughs> And it was like, one day I would like my poems to be published. Will I ever be a published writer? I don't know. And I didn't even remember any of this. Like as a little kid, I wanted to be published. Like I found a portfolio of my writing, which I typed up on loose leaf. (laughs) And I had a list of publishers and it was my uncle who like at the time was an editor for a kid's magazine, but... I've always wanted to be published and I didn't even realize that. So it's yeah. really cool, like subconsciously how I had these goals, but I've always loved writing and that's how I processed my feelings and thoughts. And like my spelling is, and was atrocious. It's better now, <laughs> but like, it was so atrocious, but like, I think it's cause I had these, you know, these superpowers of, you know, creative learning. And the reason I started the global resilience project was because my my father was terminally ill in my twenties. Right. I, we, we, mended our relationship I forgave him and we began this beautiful journey because I decided to just accept him for who he was and stop being angry for who he wasn't and we began this relationship I got to know him and I got him back in my life and at the end of 2018 I learned that he was terminally ill and I felt very robbed. I was like, oh, he's finally back in my life. Now he's going to die. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I started sharing my feelings, like going for coffee with friends and telling people how sad I was and about my journey and this and that and our journey. And what was happening was I was getting feedback. Hey, Blair, like coffee with you was great. You really inspired me to want to fix a relationship with my mom. Hey, Blair, I heard you, heard you talking about this. Like I heard I heard your story and yeah. now I'm going to get a therapist. And our story was helping people. I said, dad, what if we created a legacy project where we gather people's stories of resilience from around the world. And we bookend it with your story and my story, like your story of addiction and my story of forgiveness. And we create a resource and a tool that's going to live on with your legacy, but it's also going to help people. It could sit on coffee tables and it will be a source of inspiration and will help people through their hard times. And so I started the Global Resilience Project. And I was like, Oh, I don't know how to write a book. So I was like, but I do know how to, I made a really basic website that like, now I have a web designer. I created social media and I was like, now I need stories. So I put on an event in Whistler and I had people come in and and speak and attend, and I started promoting what I was doing any, to anyone who would listen, anyone. And I've, you know, I've been on TV and radio, and I've been everywhere. And the goal is to obviously get the book out in a shorter time than three and a half years. But right. you know, I started working on this project, and then like the grief parade of lots of loss and almost loss and other things that I didn't talk about here happened. But what I did learn was I didn't know how to write a book. And I mentioned this earlier. So I took a book writing workshop and I published a book as a practice book pulsing through my veins and became a bestseller on Amazon. And I was like, cool, because I built my own strategy. I did my research. My Mm. book coach didn't tell me how to become a bestseller. I just did my research and I built a plan and I implemented it and it worked. (laughs) I was like, for me being a, a bestseller, like I was so excited. Yeah. Not just that. I built a plan and it works. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> then I was able to use this plan, and I've helped multiple clients and friends become oh bestsellers too. And at the beginning of June, when I launched, officially launched the Global Resilience Project book. And the website there is IamResilient.info. But I launched the book. We became an international bestseller. So for me, just knowing that, I mean, every publishing platform and distribution system is different. Yeah. But for me, it's about empowering people. And when you become a bestseller on Amazon, your book is just shown to more people. Yes. So for me, it's a. I now I have this title multiple times, which is exciting, but that just means more and more people are learning about my mission and hearing my message. That's what drives me. I've won tons of awards for clients. Clients, like I've always been the runner up, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Except <laughs> I, I was a bride five years ago, um, and I still am married. But you know what I mean? Like, it's never, but for me, like, getting my own title, like, I'm an international bestseller yeah. author times a few. That's fucking cool.
0: It is. It's badass. It's huge. It's especially a- because,
1: like, it wasn't like, oh, this is my goal. Like, I i never set a goal to be a bestseller. I just wanted yeah. to write a book and learn. I was like, well, I'm gonna, I may as well try. Yep. And I I tried and I did it. And then same thing with the Global Resilience Project. We only published our digital copy and I refined the strategy and the print version is being... Physically published tomorrow. My sister from Winnipeg is coming to me awesome. and we're going to hit publish together. Beautiful. And, you know, I might be able to do it all over again. And I might talk about redistributing my book in the future and working on distribution. So being in New York really inspired me where I just was for eight days and walking by the New York Times building every day. I'm like, I'm going to become a New York Times bestseller.
0: There you go. That's so one it of right my goals there. now
1: is to be a New York Times bestseller only because I want to do it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I have no doubt you will. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Good for you. That is amazing. So, as previously mentioned, Blair, you're a podcast host. Can you tell us a little bit about the podcast subject matter? Is it interview style, solo, a mix, all of that good stuff?
1: Yeah, yeah. Great question. So I have two podcasts. Oh, okay. Dissecting success. I have a co-host, Teresa Lambert. We just recorded our 80th episode. Congratulations was about a year and a half. I'm bad at math, but yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> and that just started because she's a business coach. I'm like somewhat of a business social media coach. Yeah, you know, I'm like a coach of sorts yeah. and we were having these really brilliant conversations about what success meant to us and the public's perception and the conversations were so deep and so good. I said, we need to start a podcast, like as a passion project, let's just start a podcast. Yeah. And as soon as it stops being fun, we're going to stop it. And so we just get together. It's like 20 to 30 minutes. We have guests. It's just sometimes us. We, this morning did our first coffee talk at 7am. We like poured some coffee and matcha and just <laughs> decompressed about our months yeah. we shared the raw real messy stuff we have guests on we we don't sugarcoat anything we have really vulnerable conversations about success and from that actually people started reaching out how do we work with you right. and so we created a group coaching program called momentum
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so we're just in the process we just wrapped up our second cohort and we're just about to start talking about our third cohort where we bring in maximum 10 you know high level entrepreneurs yeah. and we co- we basically coach them through business and communication strategies and it's it's very high touch so that's all a passion project that turned into a a business which is great (laughs) absolutely yeah and then on january 17th which would have been my mother's birthday the global resilience project launched radical resilience okay i really believe every story deserves to get told and every story that gets submitted to us through iamresilient.info So written, Mm -hmm. there's a form to fill out. We guide you through it. Um, Every story deserves to get told. So we put it online and social media. But people are reaching out saying like, I don't really like, I don't like writing. It's not my thing. So I said, well- let's create a podcast. And so it's interview style. It's conversations like, you know, who are you? What's your story? how do you get through it? What's your advice? Like, let's, let's talk about it. And again, these are 20 to 30 minute interviews. I like the short and sweet. When I listen, I mean, like, I also appreciate a good hour conversation, but not everyone is trained in the radical resilience space. You know, these these are real people who've gone through some hard stuff. They may be giving an interview for the first time, So if a conversation needs to be longer or shorter, it is because I don't make rules. I don't like to follow rules. So there are no rules, but I want to create a safe space for people to share.
0: Absolutely. That's important for sure. Because I mean, really, we just all want to be heard. So there you go. To date, Blair, what would you say is your biggest high or your greatest win?
1: I'm on a billboard in Times Square.
0: (laughs) That's pretty fucking big.
1: (laughs) it's literally and fitter- figuratively huge.
0: Yes, yeah. Like no huge. Kidding.
1: There's an iconic, like, you know, at New Year's where they do the ball drop? Yeah. So right directly across from that, there's this huge billboard, like a Coca-Cola billboard. Yeah. It's like the where the main Coca-Cola billboard is. Yeah. And on each side are these like longer, skinnier billboards. And that's where I am. And it's cool because uh, there's other ads that circulate in there. And the one that's on rotation right now, it's Kim Kardashian. And I'm like, <laughs> I wonder if Kim like went to check out her billboard and saw me. And like, (laughs) I'm I'm sharing a billboard with Kim Kardashian. Kardashian. Actually, no, no, no. Kim Kardashian is sharing a billboard with Blair Kaplan Venables.
0: There you go. (laughs) That's the way to frame it. I love that. Yes. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful?
1: I'm an out-of-box thinker. Nothing's linear for me. I do everything in a very creative way. And also... My mother-in-law tells me, what I love about you is what you see is what you get. And I think that's a superpower. Like, there's no bullshit here.
0: No sugarcoating, no bullshit. Tell it like it is. That's it. You don't like it. I'm getting better at not being
1: reactive. (laughs) I (laughs) strategically tell it how it is. Um, Yeah. Like, but also my creativity, like, I think with the potential dyslexia that I have, I should get this looked at, but dyslexic people have to be very creative about how they do things. And I think that plays a lot into how I do everything.
0: Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does success mean to you?
1: Waking up every day and loving what I'm doing and choosing the life I want to live, not living the life I have to live. Well said.
0: More people need to take a page from that book.
1: Or any of my books.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Shameless plug there. I love it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why not? I sure. mean, it's That's honestly it's like about. the global resilience project doesn't make me money. Like I pour a lot of my own money into that. Yeah. You know, if you buy a book, you're like helping support the project, but this, this cost me thousands of dollars yeah. and it's all in my honor of my dad. There you go. So a very You can buy my cost. book. I mean, like your, <laughs> the per- small percentage I get from Amazon will go towards it.
0: There you go. <laughs> Blair, what would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it?
1: I don't know how to answer this question because I'm constantly learning, but showing up, choose a life you want to show up for, bring on things in your life that you want to show up for. Before, when I was just saying yes to anything, just to make money or to do things or for credibility, some of those things I did not want to do. I dragged my feet. I wasn't giving my best effort, my best work. I was not happy. Yeah. But when I realized I built a business I wanted to show up for, I was still showing up for the things I wanted to when my mom died, when my baby died, when my father-in-law died, when my dad died, I'm choosing a life I want to show up for. And when you do, you have a mission and have passion and you're able to get up at seven in the morning and record three back-to-back podcast episodes because you want to.
0: Because you enjoy it. You love it. Because you you enjoy it. So
1: I think like showing up, Like when my mom died, I've you know I had speaking engagements and I canceled some stuff that I I just like I couldn't mentally do with like timing of you know things. Yeah, of course. But I you know I. I had organizers reaching out to me saying, Blair, we can cancel. I'm like, no, I love this. Like this is in my control. And I actually really like this and I need something I love right now because my mom died.
0: A distraction. Yeah. Absolutely. It wasn't even a.
1: it wasn't even maybe a distraction, but like there's so much darkness. So why not put some light in the darkness? And if I love speaking and I love the topics I'm speaking about. And I feel mentally okay to show up, do it.
0: Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section now. So the next group of questions just be two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay.
1: I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) That was two. That was two words.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Two, three, four, five, that vein. What was your dream job as a child?
1: Psychologist.
0: What was your very first job?
1: Like a job job, like not entrepreneur. I worked at Safeway in the (laughs) Dallas. No, I was a beggar. No, I wasn't even a beggar. Yes, it was a beggar at Safeway. And then they promoted me to the deli.
0: (laughs) If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? She
1: tells the truth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How would you describe yourself in one word?
1: Empowering.
0: What is one of your favorite quotes?
1: I do not regret the things I've done, but those I did not do. And that's by Lucas in in Empire Records, which is my favorite movie. (laughs) And I was actually quoted in Thrive Global quoting that quote.
0: (laughs) If you could teach the world one thing, what would that one thing be?
1: Say no to the things you don't want to do.
0: What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money?
1: My mother to come back to life.
0: That that concludes our rapid fire section. We're <laughs> now back to the regularly scheduled program. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you could expand on your answers now. What is your why, Blair?
1: My why has changed over the last little bit, but turning my pain into purpose. I am not going to have kids. I really feel like I have gone through a lot of this hard stuff to learn lessons that I want to share with the world.
0: If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with any woman in the world, who would it be and why?
1: It's a tie between Brene Brown and Gabby Bernstein. They're both very fascinating to me. I want to learn more about Brene Brown, like in the sense of her research and what fuels that, because I feel like I'm on a similar path, but in the world of resilience. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I'm not a doctor. So (laughs) I would love to just like be around her about that and like learn more about her processes. Mm -hmm. And Gabby Bernstein, I find is someone inspirational who's also survived significant trauma, who is a thought leader. And I feel like, I feel a, a connection to her and her work. What
0: does the best version of you look like when you close your eyes and imagine
1: it? I'm in the woods, paddle boarding, off the grid, in nature, Bird watching, looking at the clouds, hearing the leaves, and an idea pops in. And this is an idea that changes someone's life.
0: If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be?
1: Get a mentor when you start your business.
0: But Okay. So I've thought about this too, and I agree with you 100%, but what do you say to people or people that come back to you and say, well, I'm just starting my business. I don't have the money
1: to hire someone. Find someone that will work for trade. There's always someone out there who will work for trade. And maybe it's a one, one hour session, or maybe it's weekly calls, but there's always someone else that's starting out that's in the same boat as you.
0: Find a way to make it happen. Lastly, Blair, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your peeps, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you say? What words of wisdom would you impart? Leave the world with 30 seconds of Blair.
1: Yeah, I think resilience is the ability to bounce forward from a difficult time. After you go through a challenge, you're never going to be the same. Take the time you need to absorb that lesson. And while you're in those pits of darkness, know that you are not alone. It is okay to not be okay. It is okay to feel your feelings and that you are resilient.
0: Beautifully said. Amazing way to end the interview. Blair, thank you so much for making the time to be here with me today and share a bit about your story and your journey. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. You are a truly beautiful soul. And I just appreciate you and I'm so honored to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. So thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun conversation (laughs) and I really appreciate like the questions. These were great questions. And thank you. You know, if you're listening out there and you want to connect like on Instagram, I'm Blair from Blairland. If you want to submit a story, you can submit it with your name or anonymously, but like telling your story is going to help you heal.
0: I will put all of Blair's info in the show notes. So If you want to work with Blair, you want to learn more about who Blair is, all the information will be there for you. So once again, Blair, thank you so much for being here today. It's been an absolute honor. Thank you so much. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Blair Kaplan. She is the founder, owner and president of Blair Kaplan Communications and an international bestselling author. Thank you so much, Blair. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. You too.